All righty, that was good. Great video. Who who did the video? Jake, Jake, Jake Hicks. That was a great job. Lord, thank you for this morning. That was the worship was good, wasn't it? Yeah, really good. So, um, got old Ted back there on the sound. So I'm gonna sort of stretch him out this morning. You know, yell a little bit. We get to turn it down real fast. And just kidding, Ted. So I want to read uh, the Lord's Prayer, and I'm going to read it from Luke. Okay, put that up there, Judah. And this comes from another translation, a newer translation called the Passion Translation, and that's why I'm reading it out of the Passion Translation. Not all, the whole Bible; they don't have the whole Bible in the Passion Translation yet. They're working on it, but it's really a great translation. Um, it what you know? There's different translations out now, newer translation, which I really encourage you to get. Uh, some of like the message is the most known one, which kind of focuses on the Father's heart. There's another one called the Mirror, the Mirror Bible. It kind of is by its name. It sort of helps people see the identity part. Um, it's really good. This one called the Passion tries to capture the passion of the people who actually wrote the scriptures. Which I that this really is one. I love this one. I can't wait to get the whole Bible translated. Um, you can buy books now. But I just love the way they translated this. Um, this is not a paraphrase, neither. This is a, a, a literal translation. Um, one day as Jesus was in prayer, one of his disciples came over to him as he finished and said, Would you teach us a model prayer that we can pray, just like John did for his disciples? So Jesus taught them this prayer. Our Father God, we worship you and honor your sacred name. Isn't that beautiful? We honor your sacred name. May your Holy Spirit come upon us and cleanse us. I love that too. Bring your kingdom realm to the earth. Isn't that awesome? And keep giving us each day what is needed for that day. Forgive us our sins as we ourselves release forgiveness to those who have wronged us. And rescue us every time we face tribulations. Isn't that a beautiful way to say that prayer? So I wanted to talk to you a little bit about this prayer this morning. Um, so in this prayer, or in the Lord's Prayer, uh, Jesus gives us like the two purposes for prayer, really. He really tells us the secret, like this is why we pray. Is one is worship, is to honor the Father. That's one of the. That's the first and most important thing there is when it comes to prayer, is to worship and praise the Father. Uh, it's about our relationship with the Father. That's what prayer really. When it really, that's the most important part of prayer is ha- developing a relationship with God the Father. Now, the second thing, the second purpose of prayer is prayer for the kingdom, like he says, the kingdom realm to come to earth. That's the second thing. So there's the, those are only two purposes that we really, every prayer that we pray, if we could keep that in our mind, we could have a much more effective way of praying. Our, our prayers would be more effective. Um, if you notice in the kingdom realm, he addresses all three parts of man uh, because man is made up of body, soul, and spirit. And so he addresses each part of our lives that needs something. In other words, we need something for our body, right? We need something for our soul, and we need something for our spirits. 
And so he, Jesus has a prayer that addresses all three of those areas of our life. Isn't that, isn't that wonderful that the Lord cares so much about, the, about every part of us? He's not just concerned about our spiritual life. He's concerned about our natural life. He's not just concerned about our natural life. He's concerned about the realm of our soul, our hearts, what's going on inside of us. So he, he, when he looks at us, he sees us. He sees the humanness of man. He sees the needs that human beings have. And, uh, and so, he, you know, I was writing down some needs that my body has and your body has. You have a need for food. You have a need for water. You have a need for rest. You have a need for SEX. You have a need for <laughs> recreation. You have a need for clothing. and You have a need for shelter. And so when we're praying, those are needs that God addresses in our life. He's concerned about all those needs. And there's, of course, more. Uh, you have a soul. Uh, souls have to do a lot with our social life. You know, we all have a need for relationships with other people. Okay? Even us introverts occasionally had to crawl out of the cave and interact with other people. And so you have this need for a relationship with others. You have a need for love. From other people, you need to be loved. You need to be accepted. One of the most tragic things there, I believe, on earth is this: there's little babies that don't have people holding them, and kissing on their little heads, and loving them, and making them feel secure. And a lot of people get messed up because they don't really get that. But that's something we need. We need a happiness. People need to be happy. Happiness is really important in the kingdom of heaven. Don't let anybody fool you. Don't buy into that whole lie about not being happy. That's just a lie from hell. God wants you happy. Uh, we all need a sense of accomplishment. You need to have, in your life, you have, need to have a sense that you've done something. I'm not talking about just something spiritual. I'm talking about you need a sense of accomplishment with what you're doing with your life. You don't need to feel like you're worthless and that you can't do anything. And that's really important to the realm of your soul. And the Lord really wants to address that. And, of course, with your spirit realm is you need to have a relationship with the Father. Okay, you need to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. You need His love. You need His acceptance. You need to feel like you're esteemed by Him and accepted and enjoyed by Him. Those are real deep needs. And you also need, need Him to help you deal with satanic influences that are operating in the world all the time. Okay, so that has, also has to do with our spirit. And so they're all three of these are interrelated. Okay, but here's what the key is. Jesus began the prayer addressing the Father. And so if you don't get that part right, you're going you're gonna to pervert the rest of your needs in your life. If, you, if your relationship with the Father is not, if, if that's not addressed, if there's not something going on in your life there, you're going to pervert your sexual needs, okay? Why do, why do people commit adultery? Because there's something wrong with their relationship with the Lord. It's not necessarily a relationship with the person that they're married to, their core issue is spiritual. And so you see, when we don't get our needs met from the Lord, we will try to get our needs met in some other way. People steal. People steal because some, something's off in their relationship with the Lord, not just because they need, need money or need whatever they're stealing. Do you get that? And it's really important that we, you know, we really address this thing about our relationship with God the Father. Because it will, it will cause the rest of your life, the rest of parts of your life, come into alignment with the way He created it to work. 
And he did create us to work in a certain way. He created life to flow in a certain way. Okay? And when we get out of that flow, we endanger ourselves. You know, and we can really, some people really endanger themselves, themselves and die. So I just really want to encourage you that that's, that's why it's first. Now, when Jesus gave this prayer, I think I may have mentioned this last time I talked a little bit about it, the kingdom of God was already there, was already here on earth because the king was on the earth, right? He said, pray like this, but there's the king of the kingdom standing right there telling them how to pray, okay? So there's something more to this thing than we, than we realize is it, although the king is here today, the king is in you, the kingdom of God's in you, in every one of us who know Christ, doesn't mean the kingdom of God is being manifested through us. It doesn't mean the kingdom of God's being released through us. You understand what I'm saying? So when we pray, Lord, let your kingdom come, we're, called, we're saying in the kingdom of God inside of me, inside of the people that know the Lord around me, let it be released out into the atmosphere where the situations and circumstances of life can be addressed. That's what he's really saying because that's how God designed. You see, he, he, the devil is, is defeated okay, on the, at the cross, actually defeated and disarmed. Yet the devil's still here and the devil has great influence because one of the last things that Jesus prayed in John 17, his, the real Lord's Prayer, they call this the Lord's Prayer. This is our prayer, the disciples' prayer. There's another prayer called, I call it the Lord's Prayer, where he said, Lord, keep them, keep them, protect them from the evil one. The evil one's a liar. He's, trick, he's tricky. Like I tell people all the time, is if he could hinder the Apostle Paul, believe me, he's going to hinder you. Right? And he did hinder Paul. Paul specifically stated that. that he many times wanted to go to, to Rome, but the enemy had hindered him. And so, and he told people, you need to learn the schemes of the devil, the way he tricks people, the way he lies, the way he insidiously works behind the scenes. Even though he's disarmed, the devil gets authority from people the same way he got authority in the garden. If the devil's operating our life, we're believing a lie. That's where he's getting authority from. Okay? So if you have demonic activity happening in your life, find out what lie you're believing. That's the door. That's the door. That's how he gets in. That's where he gets power and gets authority. He don't have any apart from that. He has a power and authority that man gives him because man has been given the power and authority. Are y'all good? I wanted to read um, Mark 9-1 again. I think I read it last time, but that was a few weeks ago. You may have forgot it. But it's such an important part of this prayer, I think. And Jesus said to them, or he said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God present with power. Present. The kingdom of God is present in my life, your life, but it's not always present with power. There's not always a manifestation of power. Okay? So Jesus was saying there's another level of power. There's another realm of release of the kingdom that we can experience. And, he was, and that's what he was saying there, is we can experience the kingdom being released in power. And here's what I've discovered. I've discovered when I pray this prayer, your kingdom come, Lord, let the kingdom of heaven come and be present in power in my life. Let it be present in power in my finances. Let it be present in power in my relationships. Let it be present in power in my relationship with you. Let it be present in power in my job, in my mortgage payments. 
when you begin, when in my children's life, their businesses, their jobs, their let the kingdom come present with power. When you begin to pray that way, you will see things happen. That's that's a breakthrough prayer that will move heaven. Things will get loosed in your life. Things will get loosed in your family's life. I know people are concerned about their children, and rightfully so. We should be praying for our children. Especially when you have adult children and you can't, can't whip them and send them to the room when they ain't doing right. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Any of you parents? Like, I'd like to just bust my kids a few times. Like, I would bust you open if I could get my hands on you. But instead, I sit there and bite my tongue and stick my, yeah, pray. Pray kingdom present with power. And what I've seen happen, I've seen things happen where I thought, oh, that's bad. No, that's good. The kingdom is coming present with power, and he's disrupting things in their life because he wants to do something. And so I really want to encourage you to begin to pray this prayer, but pray it present with power, Lord. Present with power. You need a job present with power. You need financial breakthrough present with power. You need some help in the realm of your soul present with power. You begin to pray that and pray it regularly, I promise you something's going to happen. There's going to begin to be breakthrough in your life. Things will begin to shift in your life. Again, sometimes there's a negative that happens before a positive, but it's really not a negative. It's God at work, dis, you know, dislodging stuff. I would really feel that's really strong. But I wanted to talk just a few minutes about the soul part, okay, where he says, forgive us our sins as we forgive others of our sins. You know, I don't want to just specifically hang out on forgiveness, but that's a really key part of the health of a person's soul, okay? And, and God's very concerned about your soul. Um, you know, years ago I had this encounter with the Lord uh, where I had a vision and I saw myself twisted up looking like a pretzel. That's how I, I literally looked like a pretzel. And I saw the Lord untwisting me and trying to straighten me out. And it was, I didn't really understand at the time what he was doing. I knew he was trying to fix my life, okay? Uh, but what I discovered was it was my thinking that he was trying to fix. He was trying to straighten my thinking out because I had twisted thinking. And because I had twisted thinking, my soul was all twisted and tangled up inside of me. And I was messed up. I also saw during that time another vision of an ironing board back in the old days. People used to iron clothes all the time. Y'all know what I'm talking about. A lot of older people know. I mean, I can remember as a kid, my mama, and thank God for my sisters, not me, <laughs> ironing clothes all day long, hot summer day with a fan blowing on them, no air conditioner. I was 16 years old before I ever felt air conditioning in the house, and then it was a window unit back in the old days, right? But I can remember them ironing clothes because all the clothes were not synthetics, they were just natural cotton, and you washed it. They were all wrinkled, and they had to be ironed to get the wrinkles out of them. Or if you had money, you had an air conditioner in your house. You didn't worry about it. You sent them to the laundry, and they had a big steam press that they used on them. But I saw myself, I saw God take me and throw me up on an ironing board. And I was just all wrinkled and crinkled up like a, something that just been pulled out of a washing machine. And I saw this iron come down, a steam iron. And I saw him begin to iron me. It's the same thing, him trying to untwist and straighten out my thinking, okay? And uh, what I discovered was this. I discovered my biggest issue 
was how I thought about God. That was my biggest issue in life. I discovered this. Now, this didn't happen. This happened over a period of years. Becky mentioned it briefly when she was speaking last week about our view of God. But this is what I discovered. Your view of God affects your view of everything. If you don't view God right, you will view everything wrong. You cannot view yourself right without seeing God right because God can only show you how to look at yourself right. You are incapable, apart from God, to see yourself right. You cannot do it. You can look in the mirror all day long, but you're only looking at a, a reflection of a surface. There's something deeper that you, you, know, you can't even know yourself right. And it's imperative for believers to really know their, themselves, know who they really are. All people are searching for that true identity. And so that was what God began to do was work on my thinking and how I thought about Him so I could think about myself right and I could begin to think about other people right. You know, I've said it for years is I want to be able to walk in a room and not think about what's going on in the room like everybody else in the room is thinking because I personally think everybody else in the room is thinking about what only they see with their natural and here with their natural. I want to know something different. I want to know what's really going on, what's truly going on. And the only way you can know that is see it from the Father's perspective for Him to tell you. And I wanted to read this. I know we've read this many times, but it's such a vital scripture. It had, well, it's been a vital scripture for me. Uh, it's John fourteen seven through 9. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on you know him and have seen him. Duh! Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and this is sufficient for us. Let me say this. When we see the Father, every question, every issue begins to be answered. Now, it's not instant. It's a lifetime. But that's the beginning of answers is when we begin to see the Father. Show us the, That's what Philip said. We, if we could just see him, that's enough. That will answer everything. That will answer our life. That will answer why things are happening the way they're happening. We can begin to understand what's really going on. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long? And yet you have not known me, Philip. Now, I can just put myself in Philip's shoes at that moment. I'd be, I don't know how I'd be feeling. I'd be feeling like, what in the heck's been going on with my life? What am I missing? Have I missed something here, Lord? This is what Jesus said. He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? So Jesus, I want you to think about this. Jesus came to the earth to show everybody on the earth and who would ever live on the earth, this is what the Father's like. He's like me. He likes the things I like. He despises the things I despise. He does the things I do, and He doesn't do the things I don't do. So when we want to, that's the beginning point. That's why the Bible is such a beautiful book. And you and I have made it into something else. But really it's a book for us to read and say, that's what the Father's like. That's what He's like. He wrote it down on a piece of paper. Like, let me write you this note and tell you what I'm like. Let me just let you see that in written form. And then when you read it, think about it. And let pictures emerge in your mind about what I'm truly like. Don't judge me by anything else. 
You want to know what the Holy Spirit's like? Look at Jesus, because he said, the Father's going to give you another helper just like me. In fact, tell you the truth, guys, it's my spirit. That's who that helper is. It's my spirit, the spirit of Christ. In another place, they call him the spirit of the Father. In another place, they call him the spirit of grace. In another place, they call him the Holy Spirit. And some of us call him the Holy Ghost. (laughs) Don't you love that thought of saying, I can actually latch on to the heart of the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit's interested in because I can read the Gospels and see what He's like. And God wants us to look at the Bible like that and quit looking at it as some textbook to be understood and dissected and come up with some silly theology that doesn't matter and never changed the soul's life. Just throw it out the window. Don't do it. Because God is not interested in theology. He's interested in a relationship. He's interested in you knowing Him as a person. I could write you a book about Becky Wicker and tell you all about her and dissect her and analyze her. But I didn't marry that person that be analyzed and dissected. And I don't need to go around telling everybody about some dissecting of this person. I need to tell them why I fell in love with her and what she means to me and why I still cling to her. And that's how God wants us to be with Him. And He's given us this spirit that we can't see and feel, but we can read Him. We can look at Him in Jesus. And to tell you the truth, we can flip on out the gospel and start reading Acts. This is what Jesus looked like in Peter. And this is what Jesus looked like in Paul and Barnabas. He looked a little different than everybody else because God loved you and me so much. He said, look, I'm not going to have just one unique expression of myself. I'm going to put him all in these different people and that person will come out. Yet we want to take Paul's writings and make some garbage out of them that we might as well just throw in the trash can because they do no person differ- any difference and it never speaks to a person's heart. Never. God wants to talk to your heart. He wants to reach the real you. He don't care about all that other stuff. He don't care about, in fact, he doesn't even like religion. He loved religious people, but he hated what they were doing. That's why he went after them. Because he knew they were destroying something. They were destroying the image of God. That's what they were destroying. They were destroying what God looked like and what he was and what he meant to people. That's why when we pray, Lord, let your kingdom come in power in me, in my soul, because my soul is warped. My soul is full of holes. It's bleeding. It's hurting. And I can't see nothing right. Woo, Lord, help. Right? Mm. I tell you this. You go into any business, like a small business, or even a big business, Find the person in charge. Find the person in charge. And then look at their business. Or look at their church. Look at their ministry. Or go into a home. Look at the parents. You'll know everything you need to know about that place. Because whoever's got the, you know, the leadership, they, they're, they're going to release what they are into their business or their church or their ministry. They're going to re- release the essence of themselves. You know? 
That's the way man is. That's what we do. We release what we are. Your values, your desires, your dreams, all those things come out. The problem is they're coming out all perverted and twisted up. And people are being abused. People are being worked. People, people are being paid hardly nothing. While the people at the top are making all this money. How can that be right? That can't be right. That, that, that's wrong. There's something wrong with that. When people don't make enough money working in a business that they could actually feed, feed their family. And the people at the top are getting like these, I mean, millions. And I'm not saying people at the top shouldn't be making a lot of money. I, I, I think a person needs to be paid for what they do. But our society is off. Our society is off. It's because we're off with God. Society creates, me- listen, listen to me. Medical science creates drugs and there's people that are dying for them drugs. They can't afford those drugs. They they don't get them. Can that be right? Can it be right that people have to send out requests, please, please give these drugs to this little boy or he's going to die. His family can't afford them. But he's going to die. Can a society who does that be right? Can they be looking at God right? Well, you don't have insurance, so you... I know in Kenya, I think you're talking about if you don't have money for your medicine, you don't get medicine. In China, people die on the doorsteps of hospitals because they don't have money to go into the hospital. We're not that bad in America yet. Hopefully, we won't never be like that. You know, we create this beautiful thing called the Internet. Beautiful. I love the Internet. I mean, there's a world of information at our fingertips. But we're destroying children's hearts and minds. Because there's a world of filth in it. And these little kids, nine nine out of ten children under 12 years old are looking at the pornography every day. That's the latest statistics. Under 12 years old, nine out of ten of them. That means there's children in this church that are back there in that room. They're looking at pornography. It's destroying their hearts. This beautiful tool that we have it's destroying people's lives. And it's all because of this one thing. We're not seeing the Father. Because if we saw the Father, that stuff wouldn't be going on. Because we'd see what He feels. We'd feel His thoughts. Now, y'all okay? That's kind of my little soapbox in my life. Anyways, praise the Lord. The Lord's good, isn't He? There's hope. Let me give you three words. Okay, three words that I love. One is restored, one is revived, one is renewed. Matthew mentioned hope. Restored, revived, renewed is the language of hope. It's the language that says to people, there's a possibility in your life of a second chance. There's a possibility in your life of a new beginning. There's a possibility that your life can be something different. And so we tell people, God wants to restore you. This is, what, this is what Jesus or David wrote about God the Father. The Lord's my shepherd. I won't lack anything. He restores my soul. He, he's going to do something for me. He's going to do something down in here, this twisted person on the inside. He's going to do something about that. He's going to do something about the holes in my heart, the holes in my soul, the bleeding that's going on inside of me. He's going to restore me. 
He's going to renew me. He's going to revive me. He's going to do something for me. I'll tell you what he said was the Lord. God is interested in hope. Don't let anybody steal your hope. Don't let nothing steal your hope. Because if you lose your hope, then you're in trouble. They communicate something we lost. Anybody lost anything lately? That's what they communicate. Something that we lost, something that we love, something that was vital to our lives. You know what I'm talking about? Have you ever think about your life much? I mean, when you think about things, there was times in your life when you had something, maybe you had a really good job making a lot of money, and you were blessed. You know, it was a blessed time in your life, and you lost it. And now you're not making a lot of money. You're struggling. Or maybe you had a relationship with somebody. Maybe it was a friend. Maybe it was a spouse. Maybe it was just, you know, people you cared about. And for some reason, for whatever reason, you lost it. You lost it. It's gone. Or your health. You ever, that's something when you lose that, man, you know you've lost something. Like you can tell people who've lost their health. You can tell they've lost something big in their life. Yet the whole Bible's full of this God who talks about restoration, this God who talks about giving you new hope, restoring something to you that you lost. I want to do something for you. I want to, I want to do something. I want to help you. I want to give you a new beginning. You could be a failure, the worst of kind of failure. And God said, no, there's another chance for you, though. There's another chance. Lord, I blew it. I blew the marriage. I blew the job. I blew it all. God said, but there's still another chance. There's a chance for you. I will give you another chance. I will do something for you. That's the God we serve. That's what real hope is. Lord, I lost my health. Don't worry. I heal people. I want to restore you to health. I wanted to read this because I love this. Job, y'all know old Job, very wealthy man, lost everything. Almost lost his life. Probably lost his wife because she didn't show up for 38 chapters after she said stuff. That's what I often wonder about. What happened to Job's wife? She said, curse God and die, and that was the last we heard of her. You know, I never put her down for it. I never put her down for it because I realized there's times in your life when you're so broken. Can you? She lost those children. She lost those children. She lost all her wealth. She was watching her husband slowly die. She saw the hideousness of what he looked like. You know, it says his friends, when they saw Job, when they came, heard about him going through all this, they got to him and they sat down for seven days and didn't say a word. They wept because he looked so awful. That's what his friends did. Now, his wife was seeing that. She was experiencing that. She experienced the pain of everything. And so when she said, curse God and die, I'm thinking, well, you know, Job wouldn't do it. He had a little bit more spiritual fortitude in him than she did. But I'm not here to judge her. You know, sometimes people are so low, that's all they can do. I mean, they, they shouldn't do it. I'm not condoning it. I'm not saying it's the right thing to do. In fact, I'd encourage you to keep your mouth shut. When you're in that spot, when you want to say something you shouldn't say, just keep your mouth shut. Don't say it. Because there is power in words. You may be thinking it, but just don't say it. Because when you say it, something gets released. And at least you get, you get dialed out of 38 chapters. And you don't... And it, somehow or another, 
There's even this thought, I'm just going to tell you this, I don't know if it's true, but there's even a thought because it talked about how beautiful Job's daughters were at the end, the new ones he got, that it wasn't the same mama as the other ones. <laughs> That's the truth. There's theologians that think that, like we say, she, something happened to her. Job got another woman. Well, you know, in those days they had multiple things, but anyways, <laughs> I'm just giving you some thinking here. Job 29, I want to read this. Because this is powerful. Let me say something about the book of Job. Don't, don't counsel the book of Job. The, uh, there's many great things in the book. The overall counsel, this is something that Don reminded me of when I said something about Job recently. The overall counsel that they gave Job, what they were saying wasn't necessarily wrong, but what they, it was wrong for that situation. Okay? They were applying wrong principles into Job. But a lot of what was said in this book is beautiful. It's wonderful things that we can apply as the Holy Spirit leads us. But I love this right here. This is Job lamenting loss. Uh, uh, Job 29. It says, Job further con continued his discourse and said, Oh, that I were as in months past, as in the days when God watched over me, when His lamp shone upon my head, and when His light with." And when by his light I walked through darkness. Just as I was in the days of my prime. This old, old guys can get this one. When the friendly counsel of God was over my tent. When the Almighty was yet with me. When my children were around me. Any older person can relate to that. Until you get your grandkids and keep them for a couple of days. <laughs> and then you're run ragged. And you're delirious. Because you don't really remember how to take care of little kids. And you feel beat to death. And like, how does anybody ever get anything done? You know? And how do you talk to little girls when they do something wrong? And they misunderstand you and they start crying. And you're saying, no, I didn't really, I wasn't really fussing at you. I was just telling you something. You forget all those things when you get old. I've been doing that. Yeah. I've been doing that this last few days. <sighs> Thank you, Lord. I love my grandkids. I love having them with me, but don't never let your wife... Men, if you got your grandkids, when you have four of them, do not let your wife leave. Please don't. Becky left. When she got back, Luke was laying in the kitchen floor crying. Charlie was in the other room crying. Emma and Madeline were just have wrecked the house. And Becky said, things have fallen apart here. I said, no, things didn't. I did. I just, I just gave up. I can't keep... I can't keep up with it. Everything I do is wrong, so, you know, it's true. <laughs> I love verse 6, when my steps were bathed with cream. My steps were bathed with cream, and the rock poured out rivers of oil for me. Do you know what I'm talking about? That was a time of blessedness. That was a time of prosperity. That was a time when God was moving in his life, and now he's lost it all. And he said, oh, God, that is the plight of all men. There's going to be times we look back. We've discovered this. There's going to be times in our life when our journey is awesome, when God's moving, when we're blessed, when it seems like His favor is upon us, and what we say and what we do has His blessings upon it. You know what I'm talking about. Then there's times, no matter what you say, no matter what you do, you're wrong. People are offended. People are mad relationships are broken, there's criticism, there's, there's accusation, all that stuff just flies around you constantly. And you're saying, Lord, what happened? What happened, Lord? 
what happened. But God wants to restore people to places like this. You, you can't go back to that place, but He wants to bring you into a place. I wanted to say one thing about the, the forgiveness is how important is forgiveness. Not forgiven hinders the flow of restoration. It hinders the flow of renewal. It hinders the flow of revival in your life. When we refuse to forgive, we hinder. We hinder God from doing what only God can do. So, I wanted to read James 3.16 right quick. I'm almost done. This, it says, we're envy and self-seeking. One of the greatest self-seeking things there is is refusing to forgive. And, it, and James says, where all that exists, confusion and every evil thing are there. Confusion and every evil thing. See, we attract, we attract that stuff. We, when we refuse to forgive, when we are so self-focused, it attracts demonic entities into your life. Because in the spiritual realm, I think I've said this many times, I'll say it again, in the spiritual realm, like attracts like. Like, negative attracts negative. The Holy Spirit attracts angels. It attracts the presence of Christ. It attracts attracts grace. It attracts hope. Envy and self-seeking attracts demons. And they have access to your heart to speak into your heart, to speak lies into your mind because you don't let the forgiveness flow because you're self-focused. I'm not saying forgiveness is always easy, but I am saying this. If we don't forgive, we hinder God from being who He wants to be in our life. Now, I want to read this one other scripture and then we'll stop, okay? One person said, "Uh (laughs) uh-huh. I'm just kidding. It's Joel 2.25. This is a famous scripture, but there's so much in it. It says, So I will restore to you the years. Everybody say years. Years. You see, it ain't going to be the things. It may, probably may, and it may not be the person. It may not be the money. It may not be the possessions. It may not be the relationships. But it will be the years. Because you see, only God can go into your heart and the things that you lost, that you were meant to have, that were meant to give you the things your soul needs, God can place those things into your soul. But only God can do that. That's how He restores the years. He goes and places that law. That's why people who grow up without daddies in their house and never have that, God can take and put what they missed into their hearts. I've experienced so much of that. It was crazy for a few years there. Because the way I was, came along, the way I lived, the choices I made when I became independent of my family caused a lot of bad stuff to happen to me. Yet God began to go back into my life, into my history, and work on my history, and begin to correct things in my history. My history hasn't changed. But He fixed things that I lost He took away things that got into me then that shouldn't have got into me. He took them away and He healed things that happened all the way back to when I was a little boy. See, I believe in all that stuff. I believe, I don't care what anybody says. Y'all can, people can argue all day long about, you know, inner healings and blah, blah, blah. You can argue till the cats come home, but I'll tell you this. I wouldn't be standing here if God didn't do something inside of me. He fixed some things in me. He took some things out of me that happened when I was a little bitty boy took some things out of me and put some things in me that I didn't get when I was a little bitty boy and on up. 
So I'll restore to you years the swarming locust has eaten, the crawling locust. You know what? Those all mean something. We don't have time but to say that, to talk about that. You know, alcohol can destroy a family. Alcohol abuse. Absolutely. But God can, God can overcome that. God can fix He can fix all that for people. God can give people hope where they didn't have hope. God is a God of hope. That's what He is. He's a God of hope. He wants you to look at your future and see. You may have a terrible past. You may have loss. Or you may have a wonderful past and your present's not great. But God's a God of hope. And He wants people to begin to see Him, him different. He wants people to begin to see Him for what He's really like. I thought, you know, what Becky said about our view of God and then the week before that, Randall Worley talked about uh, a lot of the parables are like mirrors to help us see where we are, you know, in our walk with God. In other words, you can always find yourself in the Bible. You can find yourself in a parable. You can find yourself in a story if you really try to. You can really find yourself. You know, I encourage you sometimes to read the stories and say, where am I? Who am I? Who am I in the story, Lord? You know, the parable of the prodigal son. Who am I, Lord? I've been, I've been all three of those people at one point in my life. I've been the daddy with a broken heart. I've been the prodigal son that was very foolish. And I've been an elder, negative, judgmental, critical brother, religious-minded, all that. I've been, I've been them all. I've, I've walked through this story over and over, and I've walked through with those people and felt what they felt and saw what they saw. You know? Because it's there, it's there to tell us something. It's, it's there to, to free us. It's there to deliver us. It's there to give us something different to see in our lives. That's, that's why I said earlier the Bible's important. It's important that we read the Bible. But don't read it to read it to do some religious thing. You know, I did my daily thing. You know, and now I'm going to be happy for the rest of the day and all that stuff. Don't do it like that. Don't, don't do it like that. Just read it to see yourself. Read it to see Jesus Christ showing us what the Father's like. Read it to see Him showing us what the Holy Spirit's like, what He wants to do. And ask Him to show you yourself and how you can get free and how you can have a different life. A different life. And that's what that prayer, back to the prayer, (laughs) that's what that prayer is all about. is to help us know that person and let his eyes... You know, that was interesting, right? The eye of God. That was the eye of God. Did y'all own the, the hole in the space? The what, black hole. It didn't look so black. I mean, it was black around it, but the hole... Did y'all see that it looked like an eye and the eye was shaped and there was a cross in the middle of it? It was the eye of God looking at man. You know... And so when, when God's eyes look into our hearts, He lets us see what He sees. And lets us see the pain that we feel in our heart. Everybody in this room got pain in their heart. There's not one of you. You've got something in your heart that's really messed you up and bothers you that you're not free of yet. You know, but God is on a mission to free you. He's on a mission to show you who He is. He's on a mission to change your life and free you because there's millions of people 
out there that need that God that we carry inside of us. They need to know that God. They don't need religion. They don't need church. They don't need songs. They don't need all that other stuff. They need Him. Anyways, thank you, Lord. I do want to say this, though. I'm, I'm telling you this. I don't know when it's going to happen. But one day this is going to happen. And I can, you can come and I'll say, I told you so. Medical science or, or neuroscience, they are going to f- discover something. This is what they're going to discover. They are going to discover that singing songs and worshiping God does something to your mind. They're going to literally have scientific facts, just like they have scientific facts now that speaking in tongues does something to your mind. They've proven it. There's studies out there that's been done on it. Yeah, Shabbat. It's amazing what it does. It heals. It, it, it reduces stress in people's bodies. Speaking in tongues does. It reduces stress. It gives a sense of peace. They say that people, they did a study in England on a thousand people and they said that all the only ones who spoke in tongues were much less neurotic <laughs> than the ones who didn't. Isn't that amazing? Anyways, I was singing this morning in worship. Every Sunday, churches from, from the beginning to now gather together to sing. I'm thinking, why do we do that? Well, God needs to be worshipped. But God's uh, He's a sharer. He likes to share things. He likes to, like, hey, I want you in on something really good. When you worship me, I'm going to do something for you. And I believe this. I want to tell this to the people who sit here and don't worship the Lord and never sing you're missing an opportunity. You're missing an opportunity for God to fix something in you, to do something in you, to fix something in your mind, fix something in your heart. You're missing a chance for the power of God to work in you because just because the person beside you may be diligently worshiping you, that undo you a bit of good. Now, that's my encouragement for people if you can't find any other reason to worship or if you can't find any other reason to speak in tongues, do it for your own brain. <laughs> you know, do it for your own self. And in the middle of that, somewhere or another, you're going to fall in love with this person you're worshiping and just fall in love with this person you're praying out to in unknown language. And you know, if you don't feel like it, we're not, uh, we love feelings, we believe in feelings, but we don't, we're not ruled by feelings. Right? Don't be ruled by feelings. Be ruled by the Holy Spirit. Let Him rule you. And He's always in for a big loud singing session. I mean, uh, He's always wanting to get up and yell and carry on. I mean, that's what that's His nature. I mean, He's just a jumpy guy, right? Jesus just jumped. It said one place He just jumped up and down when He heard something like a. Literally, it says when the, those guys came back and testified the law of God, done, the literal Greek says He jumped up and down for joy. Jumped up and down. That's Jesus. That's the Holy Spirit. Jumping up and down. I just want to share that. Let me pray for you. I hope you got something out of all that. Father, this morning we believe that you are the God of all hope. And that you want to release a new level of hope to people. Lord, there's people in this room who they're currently in a very bad time in their life. They're in a season of loss. Their good days are behind them the way they feel, Lord, but you're the God of hope. So, Lord, uh, just like we prayed earlier for hope to arise, I just ask you right now for people, Lord, 
that they would realize that you want to restore something. You want to restore what the enemy has stolen and chewed up, gnawed at. You want to destroy what the enemy has just launched against them, Lord, and taken away from them, Lord. Lord, you want to restore, you want to repair, you want to fix, Lord. I pray for everybody in this room that, that the, they would allow you to begin to do that in their life. I pray that they would begin, like David said, the Lord will restore my soul. He will restore my soul. Lord, I ask you to restore souls in this room this morning. I, I ask you to heal souls this morning. You're a healer. I ask you to go in these holes and begin to, these souls and begin to sew them up. Sew up the holes. Sew up the hurt. Sew up the pain that's in there, Lord. Lord, I pray, Lord, that that time of blessingness would come in people's life. I pray for breakthrough over people. How many people really need breakthrough in their life? I mean, you're like, Lord, I need a breakthrough in my life. I need you to do something, Lord. I'm telling you, Lord, I need something from you. Listen, I don't care if you've asked him seven million times. I'm just saying this morning, Lord, we're saying we are a people in need. Lord, we are a people in need. God, come and bring breakthrough for people. Lord, I ask you, Lord, release that spirit of breakthrough on people that where you come, Lord, and you do something suddenly, Lord, I ask you to do that. Lord, I just cry out to you right now, Lord. I cry out to you for these people in this room, Father. I'm asking you to do something. I'm beseeching you, Lord, to intervene in family situations. Intervene, Lord, in financial situations, Lord. Intervene in people's dreams and visions, Lord, that you would intervene, God. Lord, we're asking you for the kingdom of God to come with power. Manifest power in, in these people's lives this morning, Lord. Every person in this room, Lord, that needs something. Lord, that's desperate for you to do what only you can do. Lord, I'm asking you to do that. Lord, we don't want to stay the same. We don't want to stay the same, Lord. Lord, we want freedom. We want to be set free. Thank you, Lord. Now, Holy Spirit, just do what only you can do. I just pray, Lord, for the older people in this room that suffer in their bodies, their joints, their eyesight, all those natural things. Lord, I ask you for the kingdom of God to come present with power in the older people that are aging and feel the effect of aging on themselves. I'm asking you to do something, make their body like new again. Give them new strength in their bodies, Lord. Lord, I'm asking you for people in this room that don't feel loved and feel rejected. I'm asking you that you would love on them today. And they would feel accepted. They would know that they were accepted by you, Father. And they would find out that other people accept them and love them and care about them, Lord. I'm asking you to give them people like that. I'm asking you for people in this room who've really messed up really bad, Lord whether it be sin or just did bad things, made mistakes, Lord, I'm asking you to give them hope in you that they know I can get a second chance, that God has not kicked me to the curb and forgotten about me. God's not angry with me. God doesn't reject me. God still loves me and cares about me and wants me to have a good life and can take my mistakes and take all that and use it for my good. I'm asking you for those people today, Lord. Every one of us in this room have had moments in our life where we really have blown it. And we needed your mercy. We needed your grace. We needed you to help us get going in the right direction. 
And I'm asking you, we're asking you for a second chance, Lord, over people in this room today. Just release that God of second chance. We just thank you for that, Lord. The Lord's good, isn't he? Now, we've got a ministry team. Would y'all come up here? And we're going to pray for people and pray that God would, you know, if you want to be prayed for anyways, you can just come up here and and be blessed and receive from the Lord and be loved. You know, Lord, please let people know how much you love them in this room today. Please let people, I want to pray this. Lord, give them a greater revelation of the Father. Let them see what the Father sees. Let them feel the Father's heart today in a new way that they haven't felt before. Don't let it be words that, that they've heard over and over in this place and other places. Lord, but let them know the true experience of your heart towards them today. Let them touch your heart, Lord, and see your heart towards them. I ask you to do that. I ask you for a revelation of the Father over every person in this room, Lord. I pray, Lord, there's people in this room that they need, they need to be touched. They need to be held. They need to feel that embrace. Lord, I pray they, you would give them that. And I pray you would go back in people's lives and their past and fix them, heal them, restore them, fix their past for them, Lord. Heal their past. Help them to escape from their past, Lord. Help them not to be defined by their past, Lord. Help them to be defined by you, Lord. Father, I ask you to do that in Jesus' name. If you would like prayer this morning, would you just come on, you know, these people here will really love on you and give you what you need. And the rest of you, Lord, bless you and keep you. Lord, let his face shine on you. Lord, give you peace. The Lord, I pray you walk out the door, get in your car. And when you're driving home before you step over the threshold of your house, that God the Holy Spirit will be standing in your doorway waiting on you. That you would have a visitation in your house. When you lay down tonight in your bed, that you would feel God come in that room with you. When you feel like you want to think dirty thoughts, men, God would come into that mind of yours and you would find something else that's in there. When you feel like you want to be angry, you would find His thoughts. I pray that. I pray. When you wake up in the morning, you wouldn't wake up depressed and feeling gloomy. But you would wake up and there would be a skip in your step. There would be a hope in you that would rise up and you may not even know why. But I pray that God would be present in your house. And your house would be a place of healing. And that people could come into and find peace and find joy. And find comfort in that, your house. And that wherever you go, that people would be attracted. They'd feel something off in you. And they would want to come near to you. You go in the grocery store, people would want to engage you. Because they feel something. And you would be able to just release whatever it is that they need. Whatever it is, you'd be able to release it to them. And they would find that Father who loves them. I just pray that for you in Jesus' name. Amen.